Hello listeners and welcome to a brand new episode of Second Take Cinema coming at you from the glorious Impala Films headquarters in sunny Southend-on-Sea. As always, I'm your host, Jamie Evans, joined as always by Mr. Rory Jocelyn. Well, hello everybody. And today, rev your engines, check your rearview mirrors and get ready to hit the road as we journey back to 1969 to give a second take to Easy Rider. That's right, ladies and gentlemen, today we are looking at landmark counterculture film 1969's Easy Rider, uh, directed by Dennis Hopper, supposedly written by Peter Fonda, Dennis Hopper, and Terry Southern, starring Dennis Hopper and Peter Fonda, along with Jack Nicholson. Also uh, produced by Peter Fonda, produced, that's important for something I'm going to bring up later. Produced by Peter Fonda, uh, cinematography, such as it is, by Laszlo Kovacs and Beard Bryant, and edited, apparently, by Don Cam burn um edited in the sense that they just compiled what footage they had yes <laughs> budget was four hundred thousand yeah. dollars and it made a whopping 60 million dollars so very profitable yep uh it's described as a landmark counterculture film and a touchstone for a generation yep. that captured the national imagination easy rider explores the societal landscape issues and tensions towards adolescence in the United States during the 1960s, such as the rise of the hippie movement, drug use, and communal lifestyle. Real drugs were used in scenes showing the use of marijuana and other substances. That's interesting because, historically, I don't think that's accurate, because I'm fairly certain... I just need to check one thing real quick. Even if there is a film that did it earlier, I imagine this is the one that caught the zeitgeist doing it. Oh yeah, yeah, I'm not. I'm not saying that that's not it. It's yeah. just, I think the dates don't line up. Give me one second. Sure. This is considered to be a film explaining the rise of the hippie movement in yep. July, and it came out July fourteenth, nineteen sixty nine. Yes. Historically speaking, the end of the hippie movement. What I've always been taught, and everything I've ever read in books, the end of the hippie movement is eighth of August, nineteen sixty nine. When Charles Manson is caught. That's the no. capturing of Charles Manson is like that is often cited as the main thing that destroyed the no, hippie movement. I think that's propaganda because Charles Manson wasn't a hippie in the conventional sense, he was a cult leader. Oh yeah, that's not, like, not because he that's was like a hippie not because he was a hippie, right. but it basically made being a hippie not cool anymore because mm. it started as a hippie thing. That then evolved into a cult. I would have to ask my dad. The reason being, my dad was a hippie yeah. during this era, and it lasted a lot longer than that. Okay. Until but basically, basically, it lasted until the mods. 
um, other than stragglers. But the mod, well, the mods the, in the sixties as well, though. Mods was seventies. Sixty nine is that's the last sixties. No, so mods, unless, yeah, but are mod, they late seventies? I think yeah, because you've got the, I think they're uh, mid to late seventies because right. Del Boy in the first few episodes, uh, well, the first season basically of Only Fools and Horses is a mod. Okay. Because, put it this way, so I've always heard of, the thing I've always heard, being I read a lot of history, mm. um, I've always heard that Marilyn Manson is, the, not Marilyn Manson, Charles Manson <laughs> is what destroys the hippie movement. They were big cultural zeitgeist switches. Yeah. But I don't think they were individually, like it's not yeah. that clear cut. Because I'll tell you, certainly by 75, mm. hippies definitely are not the big thing anymore because 75 is the dawn of the disco era. Well, you had mods and rockers at the same time as the disco era. They were right. slightly different. They, I, they I, sort of. I think I've said before. I do feel like it's a coast thing in America. Yeah. Because the disco era was mainly Detroit, New York, you know, East Coast. Sure. And I feel like hippies were almost always West Coast. You know, they're California, Arizona, that sort of thing. Yeah. Well, suppose... You don't really get many hippies in New York City, do you? No. And the other part of that, as well, is of course, is we're talking there about America specifically, and America is vast. So you could have like hippie culture in. In one area is like the dominant counterculture but in a completely different state hippies barely exist and it's something else right whereas in the uk obviously we're much smaller we're smaller than almost every single state individually um so we had mods well we had the mods i don't think america had mods uh we had they had the rockers which we then imported uh, at the same time as the mods, pretty much. We got we the ha- New Romantics at one point, New didn't Romantics we? in the 80s. I don't think the New Romantics were very much an American thing. No, I don't think they lasted long in Britain either because they were a joke. They were like sort of early to mid 80s and then just died very quickly, didn't they? Yeah. Uh, the film received mostly positive reviews from critics. Vincent Camby of the New York Times called it Pretty But Lowercase Cinema. Lowercase yeah? Cinema? Pretty But Lowercase Cinema, despite the uppercase pious statement about our society which is sick he was mildly impressed by the cinema photography rock score and jack nicholson's performance penelope gilliatt of the new yorker said that it speaks tersely and aptly for this american age and age that is both the best of times and the worst of times roger ebert added easy rider to his great movies list in 2004 and it holds an 84 percent on rotten tomatoes with the site's consensus reading edgy and seminal easy rider encapsulates the dreams hopes and hopelessness of 1960s counterculture it was nominated for best supporting actor for jack nicholson and best original screenplay for Peter Fonda, Dennis Hopper, and Terry Southern. Um, it was nominated for the Palme d'Or at the Cannes Film Festival and won Best First Work for Dennis Hopper yep. at the Cannes Film Festival. And it, it won a whole bunch of other things. In 1998, Easy Rider was added to the United States National Film Registry, having having been deemed culturally, historically, or aesthetically significant. Mm-hmm. In April 2019, a restored version of the film was selected to be shown at the Cannes Classics section at the 2019 Cannes Film Festival. Uh, and just to speak briefly on its significance... 
Uh, along with Bonnie and Clyde and The Graduate, Easy Rider helped to kickstart the new Hollywood era during the late 60s and the 1970s. The major studios realised that money could be made from low-budget films made by avant-garde directors. Heavily influenced by the French New Wave, the films of the so-called post-classical Hollywood came to represent a countercultural generation increasingly disillusioned with its government, as well as the government's effects on the world at large and the establishment in general. Although Jack Nicholson appears only as a supporting actor, and in the last half of the film... He's only in 17 minutes of this film. Is that it? That's all his screen time. The standout performance signalled his arrival as a movie star, along with his subsequent film, Five Easy Pieces, in which he had a lead role. I really want to see Five Easy Pieces. Yeah. Um... Vice President Spiro Agnew criticised Easy Rider, along with the band Jefferson Airplane, as examples of the permissiveness of the 1960s counterculture. I'm not quite sure what he means by that. The film's success and the new era of Hollywood that it helped usher in gave Hopper the chance to direct again with complete artistic control. The result was 1971's The Last Movie, which was a notable box office and critical failure, effectively ending Hopper's career as a director for well over a decade. It also gave Fonda the chance to direct with the hired hand, although he rarely produced ever again. I'm going to, th- before we talk about the film in and of itself. Yeah, because we still have to do the quiz. <clears throat> yeah. Um, I just want to throw in a couple of extra bits to, you know, about this film. Yeah, go ahead. Bear in mind, it was nominated for having the best screenplay. Dennis Hopper and Peter Fonda did not write a full script for the movie and made most of it up as they went along. They didn't even have a full crew, instead picking up hippies across communes, uh, in communes across the country and used friends and passers-by to hold cameras. During all this, they were mostly drunk and stoned. When we get to it, you can tell. There's also a lot of behind-the-scenes ruckus in regards to the fact that it seems Dennis Hopper was very... What's the word? Hard to get on with. There's been a couple of points where, basically, bearing in mind that Peter Fonda was the producer, as well as one of the lead stars of this film, he tried to have uh, he tried to have Dennis Hopper removed from the movie. Because, uh, yeah, Peter Fonda and Dennis Hopper quarrelled continuously during the shoot. As the film's producer, Fonda did his utmost to have co-star and director Hopper fired. So it wasn't even just like they didn't get on. Bear in mind, most of this time they're drunk and off they're not on weed. Yeah. If you can't get on with someone when you're on weed, when can you get on with someone? <laughs> but the, one of the plus sides of this, they mentioned the soundtrack. Other than films like the Beatles' own movies, things like that, and obviously the Elvis movies, this was one of the first, even though it's common now, this was one of the first Hollywood, well, one of the first films, really, uh, that, that was a success, that had a soundtrack mostly made up of licensed music. Yeah. Most, almost no films outside of ones that had a musical star used licensed music up to this point. They always hired, like, Jerry Goldsmith or, you know, a big mu- uh, composer to generate their own score. That made this, that, that must have been something that felt incredibly counterculture at this point. Mm. There are many ways in which this film broke the mould, and we'll get down to whether or not that's always a good thing <laughs> in a moment. I can see why this made waves. So I, I just thought that those would be interesting tidbits to keep in mind. And we'll be back to talk about Easy Rider after this word from our sponsors. Okay, so we're back. And we're here to talk about Easy Rider, one of the most influential films of all time. One of those films that is legendary in its status, monolithic. 
above all films. And much like Apocalypse Now, you finally see it and you kind of look at yourself, you look inwards to your soul and you say, why? And trying to be reasonable here, yeah. the only answer I can come up with is you had to see it at the time. I think you're 100% correct. Because this film, by today's standards, is capital G garbage. This is... So, Inside Baseball, for all you listeners, we've actually done a bulk recording session at the start of the year. Yes. Uh, literally over the New Year's weekend. We've done Three something... Yeah. We've done something like 12 or 13 films... At least. In the last three days. Mm. This is the worst one we've watched. Uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's one of... It's I, the worst. I'm trying to think back to everything. No, 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 no. Man of Steel was still in there, so... No, this, Man of Steel's better than no, this. No, I'm sorry. This is still, Man of Steel has a beginning and an end. This has an end? Yeah. Notice I didn't say it had a beginning. <laughs> it has an end that is set up at the beginning, at least. No, it's not. Yes, it is. You see Zod, you see Superman, you know they're going to kill each other. Who cares? This has two random hillbillies come out this of nowhere. Makes, this, this has a lot more to say than Man of Steel ever had. This, okay, we are going to disagree. Don't get wrong, Man of Steel has nothing to say. The, okay. This I'm, has I'm something to inner, say. No, no, I'm going to let my inner beast out now. This is one of those films that thinks it has something to say. And in actual fact, is vapid trash. Now, I'm going to be nice... It may not have been vapid trash at the time. I don't know, quite frankly. I don't know what film similar to this came out before it. Although, based on that list, quite a few. There was quite a few. There that was were a few that like before a year, 69. two or three years prior. Yeah. This is this played to me like, and I'm not going to bother summing up the plot for people. Do you know why? Because there, there is, is no one. plot. Yeah. There's things that happen. Yes, things just happen for 90 minutes until the film just sort of ends. So here's something I come across a lot when I read indie scripts. People think tragic ending equals good. Mm. So despite the fact there is no setup, there is no build-up to the tragic ending, they will throw a curveball in and be like, oh no, the heroes died. That's what happens here. Tragic endings happen when they are foreshadowed. Mm. The Notebook, for example. Mm. It feels like a crushing inevitability that they are moving endlessly towards. To to credit a film we haven't watched yet, uh, Thelma and Louise. Right. Thelma and Louise very much feels like they are running out of road all the way through. Yeah. That, That there is an inevitable end point they are going to reach and that that end point is not going to be good for them. Sure. Hell, Devil's Rejects has it. Yep. It's the only good Rob Zombie movie. Mm. This felt to me like at no point in the filmmaking process did anyone have any idea where this was going to go. To the point where... So half, so Jack Nicholson's in the film for how long did you say? 17 minutes? 17 minutes. And then he dies, right? Yeah. Once he's out of the film, the film runs out of road. The death comes so quickly and with so little build-up, it kind of feels like there was no plan for that. It just kind of feels like Jack Nicholson got hired for another job and went, sorry, fellas, I need to go do a real movie now. 
Either that or they just couldn't afford him past a certain amount of days because Jack Nicholson is famous to say, I'm paid so much for... I don't know if he did that at this point in time of his right. career, but he's famously said, it's like, I'm paid, I think it's $100,000 per minute of screen finished screen time. Right. Something like that. I can't remember the yeah, exact yeah. fee. He said it in an interview once. So it's like, basically, you know, I'll do as many takes, etc. as you want, but overall, like, my fee is very high... And his statement for that is that means that the den- generally the directors etc don't waste my time. Yeah, it's not a bad um, idea. Yeah. Um, can yeah, I? Can yeah. I? Can Go I try? On. Can I try? So, here's the thing. I'm 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 a biker. Not 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 a hell's angel, but I'm a biker. I like biker movies. I've brought this is my mm-hmm. third one. I've brought along. This one is ultimately the most iconic. Pray for the Wildcats is so little known that it doesn't mm. really classify as, uh, you know, I couldn't go, this made a massive cultural swing. It was more of an oddity, an interesting oddity. It um, was better than this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I agree it's with you. It's a TV you. movie with William fucking Shatner in it. And it is better, it than, better this. than this. I agree. Um, there is Wild Hogs, which... Better than this. Better than this. I really... And, and again, Wild Hogs is one of my absolute loved films. I watch that every year. I can yeah. watch that on repeat. Peter Fonda's in it. He's great in it for his small cameo. Mm-hmm. And it's obvious he's cameoed in that because of this movie. Yeah. Um, this one is the most iconic. This is the one when you... Other than maybe the wild one, mm. this is probably the most famous biker, biker movie, movie of all, all time. time. Yeah. Whenever you go... Tell me a biker movie. Easy Rider. Easy Rider is the instant go-to. It's like telling... Tell me a fantasy film. It's going to be Lord of the Rings. It's that iconic. Yeah. So when I eventually watched it, I was more perceptive, I think, to some of the the story threads it comes with. Yeah. Loose as they are, Mm. even being as charitable as possible, I watched the film, and this is my second viewing... I was like, this isn't as... Like, I expected to be blown away by either deep meaning or, at the very least, something that was so, at least, cohesively fun that it's like, this is a slice of the time and I love, like, the fact that we're on this great journey with these cool characters. I'm not even sure I could... Like, outside of their, like, visual design, I'm not sure I could really tell you the difference between Peter Fonda and Dennis Hopper's characters in this film. There isn't one. Yeah, other than their aesthetic. I don't know their names. I think yeah. their names get said right at the end of the film. I think one's called Billy, aren't they? Something like that. I think Dennis Hopper's Billy, I it think. It really doesn't matter. No, and that's that. we never find out anything about these bikers. No, we don't know where they've come from, why they're on this journey, why they're... And the idea, I suppose, is just they're living free. Yeah, now, yeah, I'm not... I ain't about that life. Sure. Now, so, he, let me tell you something. No, 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 can I... So, Go I, I want to just try and... St- Try and be as fair as possible. Oh, yeah, I'm about to be fair. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, 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 no. I'm not saying you won't be. Um, But as someone who doesn't really get the film, doesn't fully appreciate the film, I'm not sitting here going, this is great, Jamie, you should love this movie, because I don't really get it. Trying to figure out why it was such a sensation on this viewing, I think I found some of the reasons, and they do all clock in to what you said at the start. You had to be there. Which is why I don't fully appreciate it, even even knowing this. So, you stated in your initial um, dialogue in about this film that it was one of the first films to really push the hippie movement, or at least it's regarded as. That, yeah. yeah, And I think that that's true, at least in the popular zeitgeist. All of a sudden, oh, there's hippie culture, there's bikers. The bikes are almost... Um, not the most important part of that. It's the hippie part of it that's the most important. 
So it's like, this is a hippie thing. It's now on film. For whatever reason, it grabbed, it grabbed like, awards during that time, probably because it was so different. The things it did with that was something that wasn't really done in film at mm. this particular point in time. It challenged society and shone a mirror up to uh, sort of... And we see this in the Hillbilly Cafe and things like that. Mm. The fact that just because a, Dennis Hopper's got long hair, it's like all this sexist stuff about, oh, he's a girl. I hear that they all bum when they're out on thing. And it's all like homophobia and all this stuff comes out. So you've got that element where it's, where the people who were in the hippie movement felt that they were being verbally and socially abused and uh, treated negatively, which a lot of them were. Mm-hmm. Of course. Um, bec- you know, because of the lifestyle they'd picked. You can make your own judgments on that yeah, lifestyle. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But that was... And I think this film was one of the first ones to really explain that. It gives you an idea as well as how early this is. They have to explain the word dude. Like... Can you imagine making a film now and having to go, look, what dude means is, you know, they have to explain marijuana as well. What is marijuana? Well, marijuana is this. What is dude? Well, dude means this. It, that, I think, are little hints that we, we won't have because, you know, those things are now so ingrained in culture anyway. But in 1969, there are it's a much more conservative era. Yeah, of course. So yeah. these things are suddenly being pushed to the front and saying, "Oh, by the way, there are drugs and they are fun." This is uh, Eisenhower, is it at this point? It would have been just after Kennedy assassination. Kennedy's assassinated in '63. Was he? Yes. Oh, yes, he, he was, was assassinated on right. my mum's birthday. Yes. And wasn't he replaced by Dwight Eisenhower? I I honestly do not know. No, Lyndon Lyndon B. Johnson replaced him, didn't he? LBJ. I, I do not know enough about American presidents, no. if I'm being honest. 69, actually, we might have just it might have just been Nixon coming in. Possibly. So, yeah, Possibly. very conservative. Um, so, yeah, it, there's a much more conservative bent. We're now talking about hippie movement, hippie lifestyle, free, free, like free travel, free life, free everything else. And we're talking about free sex. We're talking about drugs. And the other thing specifically is, and I think it's an important scene, even though, unfortunately, because of the way that the, the, the actual pacing and the rest of the film is scripted, doesn't really make the impact it should do to a modern audience. There is a scene just before Jack Nicholson dies where he explains to Dennis Hopper's character why, peop- uh, why general society hates them so much. It's like, the reason they hate you... Because he's not actually a hippie. He's a lawyer, isn't he? That's on the journey with them. And it's that everyone's got the illusion of freedom. And if you point out that they're not really free, it makes them angry. Yeah, and Dennis was like, yeah, see, they're scared of us. It's like, it doesn't make them scared of you. It makes them dangerous. And that's I think, is incredibly important for that period of time. It's, I think, an epic timepiece as to everything. I think sociopolitically, it was important at the time because of that. The problem is... Where we are now, that theme has been done more than once, and also it's been done so much better. This is not like Twelve Angry Men, where the theme is you is um, it was done so perfectly in that one shot that you can watch it back now, even though it's like sixty years yeah. later. So I, I have two things. Yes. Thing number one. Thing number one is more picky. Mm. Thing number two is more general. Sure. Thing number one: the diner scene should be good. Yeah. The problem is it's badly made. I cannot hear shit because everyone is talking over everyone else yeah. and mumbling. 
I couldn't hear shit. I knew that some... I knew... I got the general gist of the yeah, townspeople yeah, yeah. didn't like them, but the girls fancied them because they were dangerous. I got that. Yeah. But I couldn't hear the specific things. Sure. As an overall package... It has I a terrible American soundtrack in terms of when you're on the with the music kicks in and when they're on the bike, you can't hear shit. Soundtrack is loud. Yeah. When they are then in talking scenes, yeah. I would be willing to bet that the majority of people who saw this in the cinema and liked it were high. Were high. Yeah. And I'm going to tell you why. Because the film plays very much. Like how high people talk. I agree with you 100%. And I'll, and I'll tell yes. you... Yeah, so what I mean is, there are lots of parts in Easy Rider. Do you know how when people are high, they'll skip from topic to topic to topic? Yeah. That's what this film does. Yes. It starts off, and you're like, okay, right away we've got intrigue. These guys have sold a bunch of drugs. They've got a tube full of money. They've hidden the money in the petrol tank. And when they stop off at a petrol they station. They stop off at the petrol station. And Dennis Hopper's getting up in Peter Fonda's face about, oh, why are you letting this hippie guy um, do that? Because what if he finds the money? That money's never mentioned again. No, it's there's actually a point forgotten. where they're like, we're out of... We, we, they take the money from... Sorry, I'm, I'm transitioning. No, no, go ahead. There's a point where they take Jack Nicholson's money after he's died. Mm. They're like, oh, well, we, here's his credit card and his money. They use it to go to a brothel, etc. And then after that, it's like, oh, the money's gone. Mm. Like, we used all of his money and now we're poor. Yeah. And it's like, what about the money in the fuel tank? Nobody yep. references it. Nobody brings it up. You're like, but yeah. it was never taken out or used. You then have them at the hippie commune and explore what life's like for the hippies. And you think, okay... Uh, this could be something because it's very clear that these hippies are not going to survive. Yeah. Because you see them trying to survive and they're planting crops in soil that Dennis Hopper knows won't grow. Yeah. And you're like, oh, okay, this is what the film's going to be. Nope, we're moving on. Okay, what is it now? Oh, we've met Jack Nicholson. Oh, this is interesting. It's lawyer meets free spirit. This guy, oh, no, no, that's not happening either. Oh, now we're talking about aliens. Okay, I guess it's this film. Oh, no. Oh, now we're in this town, and holy shit, is this about to turn into a Rambo first blood type situation? Which, to be fair, would have been a bit better. Where these freeze... Because it's got those vague tones in it. Yeah. Because the line I did hear was the guy being like, guarantee you they don't make it to the parish line. Yeah. Which makes you think, oh shit, now they're going to like stake. run them out of, out of town. They're yeah. going to like frame them for stealing this money or or, or to just actually cash them because they got the money for doing bad things. Yeah. No, no, we move on from that. Oh, Jack Nicholson's dead because we couldn't afford to pay him anymore. Um, <laughs> oh, okay. It is so sudden, yeah. Now these hookers and, oh, this seems to be a bunch of B-roll footage that was shot at a cast party, and you've edited it together and put it in the film. It briefly touches on a lot of topics. Yep. All of which, fully explored, could make good movies. Yeah. The hippie thing, the thriller with the police thing. Yeah. All it of these could make on good the, movies. The potential of a better film. It doesn't stick to any of them. No. And for me personally, the only way I could imagine enjoying that would be if I was baked. Yes. Because well, because they then... skip from topic to topic to topic like that, don't they? Yes, you are one hundred percent right. I, I, yeah. I. Here's the thing. I don't disagree with you. Because um... as it stands, this isn't a film. 
No, it's there's a no story. Of, it's a collection of scenes. Yeah, there's no story. There's no character arc, and the ending. The ending is offensively bad. Because here's the thing. It's not badly it, it, made. Here's how you fix the ending. Jane, yeah. you fixed it. You, fine, fine. You want them to both die. Fine. Here's how you fix the ending. Make it the cops from the town. Why is it two random redneck hillbillies? Yeah, they're not even killbillies from that town. Yeah, who as far as I can tell don't mean to kill them. Or at least they don't mean to kill Dennis Hopper. Because he puts it out and goes, oh, let's just scare him a bit. Yeah. They're clearly meaning to just like shoot at the road near him and they miss aim. Yeah. Or Hopper pisses him off when he sticks his finger up. I him. think it's that one, yeah. I think that's the point. Is like they were, because they're hippies, they're, you know, going to die. Yeah. Because... They then go back to kill Fonda to stop the witness. Right. I always feel bad when I dislike classic films like this because it's like, I always sit there and go, maybe I'm too dumb to get it. But I honestly think with this one, I think it you is have to because be if you're not it. high. Yeah. Yeah. You have it, to be high to get this film, I think. It doesn't stay with any topic long enough to tell an actual story on that topic. The, again, we, let's talk about story structure yeah. as well. Like, even, even if you didn't like the story it was trying to tell, you could at least appreciate its structure, except this doesn't have one. Yeah. There is, like, as you say, like, when you said, that you jokingly said, well, at least Man of Steel had a beginning and an end, and I replied jokingly, well, this has an end, mm. but not a beginning. It doesn't have a beginning. We start halfway through a journey. Yeah. And that journey, like, they stay at the hippie commune for about 10 minutes, and then they leave, and that doesn't do anything. That Random scene anywhere. of them swimming in a pool with two girls. Yep. Which, actually, that's a film Fonda and um, Hopper's sequences separately, because Peter Fonda was in hospital during that point, so they had to come back and film the Peter Fonda bits separately. He was in hospital because... I, I'm not sure if this is the reason, but I know that he was injured during the film when... Because the, the bike that uh, Peter Fonda rides, the American bike, has such a long front fork, it's a stupid design like to actually ride, because the longer the front fork is... When you turn left and right, the uh, front wheel actually tilts, which means it's way more likely to slip out from under you and cause a crash. So he had to ride it in a very particular way. For whatever reason, it is on here somewhere that basically... <laughs> oh, there we go. Essentially, uh, Peter Fonda... So the chopper was so squirrely to ride... That at one point, Jack Nicholson, who was on the back behind Peter Fonda, squeezed his knees into Fonda's side to balance himself. Squeezed so hard it broke one of Fonda's ribs. Because it's squirrely as shit. Yeah, I mean, it's a flashy looking bike, but it's it's just not practical as a machine. <laughs> I also want to discuss... Here's the thing. There are some films, and I, I'm never a fan of these, to be fair... But there are some films that are highly regarded, this being one of them, that are essentially just a collection of scenes. You're not watching yeah. a movie with a beginning, middle and end as a structure. I suppose that has its place. Again, it's not my preference. Mm. But I suppose it has its place. There are obviously people that appreciate that sort of thing. When I break this film down into scenes, the Jack Nicholson sequence actually works quite well. If they'd focused more on that style of storytelling, this would have been a better movie. Because at least it's trying to say something. Because it's only with Jack Nicholson that they have the discussion in the police centre and they see that the police disdain for them. They travel to the hillbilly town and they get the abuse from the hillbillies and are basically forced to leave the diner because of the abuse and the att attention they're attracting. 
and he's the one who uh, basically we learn about weed, we learn about the term dude, and we learn about he and we get his perspective as well when he first gets high about how the government are keeping control of information about alien life, mm. about things like that. Now this is obviously a trip style conversation, but it's at least something. Yeah, all of that. That's the that as well as Jack Nicholson's performance itself are the reasons that the sequences with him are the best sequences. Every other scene around that, in pre and post that sequence, are either meaningless to the main narrative, or even if they're not, they kind of feel like filler. And the surprise for you, Jamie, is according to the trivia, the initial cut that Dennis Hopper made, that the studio forced to trim heavily... Mm. Three hours, 47 minutes. How? How? So what he, happened in it? Yeah. So this is my question. This cut already... If you've cut down from... Like, your first cut, the one that you thought was going to be your final, was three hours and 47 minutes of storytelling. Mm-hmm. You, I would assume but, as a film. But I bet it's not. I, no, bet oh it's, yeah. I bet it's literally them farting around. Yeah. Filming their whole days. Yeah, yeah. And... Th- he, sh- I mean, the good thing is, is that obviously another editor came along and went, yeah, you don't need all that shit. Um, it doesn't mean that the final film is either that coherent, but the- again, most films, when they chop it down, you can tell that, oh, we've lost something. Like, there's important information that's been lost because they needed to cut it for time. In this one, it just feels like, it feels like there needs to be more cut for time. So it's like, what did we lose? Where was the story going to be? Yeah. And the, some of the other scenes we get, so the hippie commune at the beginning, there is one positive piece in there. Well, two things in that, in that first sequence. One, Dennis Hopper is not welcome at the hippie commune for some reason, even though he's the most hippie one. Yeah, I, I didn't get that. There is no explanation as to why, but they just don't like him. They just like mm. Peter Fonda and want him to stay. So uh, then I was thinking, and to be fair, this is my knowledge of, Dennis Hopper's latest career biasing me. Sure. I was like, oh, it's going to be one of those things where there's something sinister about Dennis Hopper. And they like, can oh, sense he's, it. He's like a Charles Manson type or something like that. Like, yeah. he's going to be like a crazy guy who loses his shit and shanks someone. Like, ends up turn. Basically, they end up falling out over the money. That'd be a classic plot, wouldn't that, it? I mean, it's, it's all, all established both- there. They could have done that story. Yeah. Um, and that's me being biased because obviously Hopper went on to mostly be known for playing bad guys. Yeah. Um, yeah. 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 And the other thing it establishes, which could, again, like that, could have been an emotional story arc returned to later, but they never come back to the commune, yeah. is the fact that this commune, he states that there was quite a lot of them there that had different agricultural experience. Everyone else has buggered off, mm. and now they've they're left with twenty to thirty city boys and girls yeah. who are like yeah they're still sowing the seeds they're gonna you know we're still hoping for a good harvest, and they actually ask where are you gonna get the water from he goes oh well you know I guess we'll have to pray for rain you know what I'm saying yeah and Dennis That's Hopper the- specifically goes they're crazy man like there's no water here they they're gonna die yeah and he's the one who says about how the soil's the wrong type of soil as well isn't it yeah so he obviously has some knowledge mm. peter von is one who goes nah man they're gonna make it they're gonna make it it would have been cool if towards the end of the film as they come back that way if everyone was dead yeah and the commune didn't make it yeah 
Or even or if the commune did, if the commune did, there'd be less story. But at the very fucking least, there'd be some story. <laughs> yeah, or even do a film where they... Uh, it's a different film because it's more of a heartwarming film. Sure. But do a film where they join the commune. Yeah. And they find a sense of belonging in living off the land. I mean, he even says, doesn't he? I think it's Peter Fonda, you know, being able to live off the land like that's the dream. He says that to someone else. It's uh, a Mexican guy who owns his own house, I think, yeah. isn't it? Yeah. And he goes, man, living off the land, doing your own thing, working to your own time, Clark. That's mm. living the dream. And then they, and after that, they go to the commune, don't yeah. they? See, that feels like it's setting that up, that that's what the film will be. Yeah. But again, it's not. Yeah. It's so frustrating to watch. Yeah, because you're seeing all these... Again, one thing this film does well is set up a lot of interesting story arcs. What it does terribly is do is continue it's them on or pay one. them off. <laughs> yeah, because it, do, it doesn't do any of them. Yeah. The closest it's, we get is the story arc for Jack Nicholson. It's like someone high with the munchies and they've got eight different bags of sweets yeah. and they can't pick which bag they want to eat. So, they so they're eat. just grabbing a couple from each bag. Yes. And you're like, what? I No, calm down. Strawberry, then lemon. These flavors don't go together. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's like a- someone's eating Kinder Egg mm. and then immediately stuffing Haribo Tangfastics in their mouth. That don't go together. <laughs> no. <laughs> then a hobnob. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so licorice all sorts. Like, yeah. no. What are you doing? It's, or, Washing or, it down with iron brew. Or a call out to Haunted using garlic sausage and, and jelly, jelly babies. Ba- jelly babas. Jelly babas. Jelly babas. Um, yeah, so I don't want, I don't want to, because I, I used to do this on Jamie, your film taste sucks. Yeah. And I used to over-exaggerate and be like, this is, this is awful, and if you like it, you're stupid, blah, 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 blah. It just isn't for me, bro. It just isn't for me. I never want to see this again. I feel like I've wasted the last 90 minutes of my life. Mm. If I now die tonight, and that was the last film I ever saw, (laughs) my soul will not be able to rest. You're going to have to watch another film before you go to bed, I think. And will haunt (laughs) reality. Yeah. It is a shame, because with the reputation this has got, Mm. I want to love this movie. But there's just nowhere near enough in it to do so. And it's a shame. Because the ingredients technically are there. Mm. You've got some... And, and Jack Nicholson still gives a great performance despite Be- having very little to it. do. Yeah. Best actor in it. It's the best performance in it. Yeah. Um, and he's got a distinct he's got a distinct character. Yeah, and a distinct accent. He doesn't sound like Jack Nicholson usually sounds. No, that's true. Um... Yeah, but by a landslide, it's not even close. Looking at the, looking at this film, like if I was in 1969 and you put this film in front of me and said, which of these three is going to be the biggest star? It's easy. I'd be like, that guy. He's that, it's that guy. Yeah. He literally feels different in the film. Now, that's going to sound really silly. He feels different in the film. To them? No, no. To me as a viewer, Jack Nicholson... I'm going to sound so crazy because I, I realise this isn't possible. He literally felt brighter on the screen. Oh, yeah. Fonda and Hopper feel faded. Like they're faded into the grain of the film. Yeah, but it's it weird almost, because I agree with you. Yeah, it weird. almost feels like Nicholson's got a spotlight on him as if they lit him differently. 
they didn't, but no, it I know feels they like it. Yeah. And that's why I said it sounds crazy. It sounds impossible. It's his charisma. Yeah, it is. When he talks, I shut up and listen. Well, it, to be fair, Hopper's a good actor, but Hopper's mumbling through that giant fucking mustache in this. But I think when, it's probably also because he's incredibly high. Yeah. When Nicholson talks, mm. I listen. I listen when he's going on about fucking Venusian aliens coming to Earth and yep. stuff. I listen when he's doing his, you know, you tell a man who thinks he's free that he's not free. And, yeah. well, believe me, he's just not going to like that. I listen. I don't, I, I, I didn't. I, it was hard to listen when Fonda or Hopper were talking. Yeah. And it would have been probably a bit easier if you knew that most of what they were talking about was worth listening to. Yeah. But, yeah. It is such a shame for me because... The, as I say, the only other major biker movie, because there's not many, let's be honest. I like biker movies. We've watched two before, but ain't no one out there going, Wild Hogs, fucking classic film that really, you know, <laughs> is the epitome of biker movie when you think of it. And Pray for the Wildcats is little known at all, yeah. even in biker circles. This is the biggest one. The only other one is the wild one. The wild one has a beginning, middle and end. It has a narrative that completes. Mm. Kind of like this, actually. The shining character in uh, the wild one is not is not the leads, at all. The one who steals that show Chino. is Lee Marvin. It's Chino. Yeah, yeah. He's, he's he's like um, Jack Nicholson is only in this for seventeen minutes, hmm. and weirdly enough, Jack Nicholson's character in this is bigger to the plot than Chino is to the wild one. Lee Marvin really stands out on the screen. Yeah, um, by far the best thing in that film. But when you watch it now, even if you don't like biker stuff, even if you you don't you know you don't care for the story or the romance plot or any of that, even if you don't care for that, you can appreciate it follows a decent story structure, and it will tell you a story from beginning, middle to end. Yeah. So sorely missing, in Easy Rider, it is, for me, this is definitely a case of you had to be there for yeah. this film to give you the culture and if you're watching it now say you were around in that era and you loved it when it came out because you were high and it spoke to you know maybe you were in the hippie movement and it spoke to you in that time mm. frame and you watch it now and you ha still fondly go this is a great movie I love this film be honest with yourself it's the nostalgia mm. it's the nostalgia or just make sure every time you rewatch it you're baked <laughs> That helps. Definitely <laughs> not, helps. Not that we encourage drug use on this podcast. No. I will say as well, the, the drug use in this is fascinating insofar as, not, not within the film itself per se, but in a grander sense, because this predates things like Cheech and Chong. It yeah. predates like certainly anything from Seth Rogen by a long oh, margin. Oh, yeah, yeah, obviously. This is, it's probably not the, ori the original drug film, but it's... it's madness, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. But this one is, um, certainly as a counterculture, mm. one of the big start-ups of going, oh, yeah. oh obviously, obviously the difference in Reefer Madness is Reefer Madness is very clearly anti the marijuana. Yeah, so this and it is makes counter all these insane claims about what marijuana can do. Yeah, Reefer Madness is culture, this is counterculture. Mm. That's a big difference. Um, but this is probably the first proper big counterculture movie mm. that showed drugs showed the enjoyment of drugs as largely positive because the drugs don't kill anyone. It's the it's society that kills everyone who dies in mm. this film. Um, the acceptable conservative society. In that regard, yeah, it, I suppose it kind of is propaganda as well because 
I don't think there are any decent conservative leaning characters. Like all of the people, no. every single person in any position of authority is scum yeah. in this film. And all of the people, even the assholes in the commune are still not on the same level as abusing their power. No, no. Um, so yeah, in that sense, you could consider it maybe propaganda as well. Um, after a, Certainly after a big era like the 50s where there was, the propaganda was the other way they'd actually outlawed left-leaning movies. Yeah, yeah. Um, so in that sense, maybe that is another time where it just hit the zeitgeist at the right time. Yeah. And it was like, oh, we can talk about this shit again? And this film told us we could talk about this shit again. I, I'm At this point, I think I'm kind of out of things to say. I'm just trying to find... I'm trying to explain to myself why this film is has the reputation it's got. I don't have that answer, so I, if I keep going, I'm just going to get circular. Well, ladies and gentlemen, that is it for another episode of Second Take Cinema. Thank you for listening. Uh, we appreciate it greatly. If you could possibly please leave us a review, like, subscribe, share, etc., all the usual stuff. Um, and if you're interested in hearing any other shows on the Impala Network, please look out for VGMP, the video game movie podcast, where Rory and I discuss video game-based movies. That's a lot of fun. And we also do Haunted the Audio Drama, a full cast narrative audio drama. It's sort of a horror, uh, horror action, adventure, comedy mashup um, with a long-running storyline combined with Monster of the Week episodes that you can drop in and drop out of. Um, and hopefully more shows in the future. Thank you, everyone, for taking the time to listen. What did you think of Easy Rider? Do you want to tell us why we're wrong? Were you baked when you watched it? <laughs> Let us know. Until next time, bye-bye.